0: Come on, Matt. Going, Italy. Italy. Oh, that's a
1: good one. I did Swiss Ow. Oh, also a good one. Okay, so as as we get started here, just a, a few quick things I want to say. Welcome to Steven and Sarah Burroughs and their Woo! little one Elise. Welcome back. Really happy to have you guys back and Steve was up here on guitar. Wow. Our, our usual guitarist is out tonight. So Steve, thanks for filling in. And thanks, worship team. Y'all sounded great. Thanks for leading us. What's yeah, that? Two hours of notice by the way. Explain Wait, what? Oh yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Steven and Sarah helped start our UF at JMU lots of years ago. And we're part of the original worship team and then even continued on after they graduated. So I think this kind of feels like home for y'all. Welcome back. And they've got their little one, Elise, and we're so excited that you've got her. Um, Yeah, she's beautiful. Um, All right, two two other things. So I want to let you know there's a hike going on. You're going to hear from uh, Catherine about this this Sunday. Love to have y'all come out and uh, it'll be high knob. And, and so Catherine's going to tell you more about that. But then also Catherine's going to tell you about summer conference. And the reason I'm mentioning both of those is just from a pastor's heart to your heart, I want to encourage you to lean into things like this because this is how you're going to know and be known by, by doing things like, like this. And that's why we do them. So you can enter into to community. So... I know it's a risk to, to step out of your comfort zone and do some of these things, but, but trust me, you'll be with some of the best people on this planet, so, so come on out to, to some of these things. Well, we're gonna take the next 25 or 30 minutes and talk about the Bible. Why do we do that? Because we believe God has spoken through this book called the Bible. This is how God has revealed himself to us so that we can know him, so that we can know about his salvation that he's given us through christ we'll talk about that in a second but also so we can know what his will for us is because we're not who we're supposed to be at this point and we're we're works in progress and part of what god uses in us becoming what we should be is his word so so we take just a few minutes every wednesday to to look at god's word and talk about it and i'm not going to sit here and pretend to you i've got it all figured out or that i understand it all I don't think anybody in this room can make that claim and so if you have questions doubts things you just want to talk about about God about the Bible about faith find me find any of our staff staff put your hand up great ministry team put your hand up any of these folks would love to, to talk to talk with you about whatever questions you have so find one of them all right so I want, I want to start with this the a campus minister so think my counterpart at Columbia in New York City, uh, in New York City, shared on our listserv, which is kind of our group email chat, email group chat. Um, he has a six year old son who's gotten really into making signs. And so he's plastered their apartment with signs everywhere throughout the apartment. The best one was the one that he put on their front door, and it reads like this Welcome to the house. You will see some sins. (laughs) He left out a letter. He meant to say signs. (laughs) You will see some signs. But instead, welcome to the house. You will see some sins. And it's true, isn't it? (laughs) That in every home and in every heart, you will see some sins. But the good news is, in Christ, God has forgiven our sin, and He is changing us. As I said at the very beginning, we're works in progress. We're under construction. And God has given us His Spirit to be our general contractor, if you will. For all who follow Jesus, God's Spirit lives in them, and He produces fruit In them, which is what we've been talking about throughout the semester, the the fruit of the Spirit, those things that God by His Spirit works into all who follow Jesus. So they're called the fruit of the Spirit. There are nine of them. We'll read them here in just a second, but the one we're going to talk about tonight is the fruit of goodness. So first, Where we find this list is Galatians 5, 22 through 23, the fruit of the spirit, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. That's what we're talking about tonight. Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. As we think about goodness, we're going to look in particular at Ephesians 5. Where we'll settle in and just look at how this talks about the idea of goodness here it is ephesians 5 1 through 12 is that what y'all have therefore be imitators of god as beloved children and walk in love as christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to god Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. Well, goodness is only mentioned here once in this passage, but it's a passage all about goodness, and I want to look at it, I want to talk about it in three ways, three ways that we see goodness here in this text. First, our God of goodness Second, our guide for goodness. And then third, our goodness in action. So our God of goodness, our guide for goodness, and then lastly, our goodness in action. So let's start with our God of goodness. Verse 1 begins with this command, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. In a passage where Paul is calling us to goodness, he starts here with the goodness of God. We're to be imitators of God precisely because God is good. It's who he is. It's his nature. It's his essence. God is good. And we see it throughout scripture. All of the Bible testifies to this. Uh, you, you'll have some verses here on the screen behind you. First Chronicles 16. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Psalm 145, On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame, listen to this, of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. And then I love Psalm 34, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him our God is a God of goodness before I go any further I want to take us on a a brief tangent for just a minute and I've got to do this really quickly because we just don't have time to fill this out so if you have questions about what I'm about to say grab me afterward we can talk but but here's, here's the tangent, and, and it centers around a question. How can we talk about a God of goodness as we look around and see yet another school shooting? We look around and we see war, and we see death and disease and injustice and all kinds of brokenness and evil. We look at that and it's really hard We struggle to believe in a God who is good. And I struggle to believe that sometimes. Let me give you four quick thoughts that have helped me to understand who God is in the midst of those things and how He can still be good in the midst of those things. And again, got to do this quick. First, God did not bring evil into this world. We did. Our sin... Brought about all of this brokenness. And then, right after that, right after sin came into the world, we see it. If you go all the way back to Genesis 3, we see the entrance of sin into the world. And you know what takes place right after that? God makes a promise to save the world. Do y'all see the order? We bring sin in, God institutes a plan to save. That's goodness. Second, God himself suffered. Jesus came, and he came for the very purpose of suffering. Jesus came and endured the greatest suffering that the world has ever known. On that cross, he bore the judgment and wrath of God on our behalf. So God himself is familiar with suffering. Third, he is with us in our suffering. He is with us in our suffering. He never leaves us, he never forsakes us. He's with us, comforting us, strengthening us, and providing for us. And then lastly, God can turn suffering into goodness. Did y'all hear that? God can turn suffering into goodness in ways we can never imagine. We see things from a very limited perspective. So it can be hard to see how God can bring good from bad. But he does it all the time. Again, think about the cross of Christ. No greater evil in the history of mankind than to put the Son of God on a cross. And yet, think about the good that has come about because of that one act. So God does it all the time the time and in fact he promises too. Y- y'all have heard that promise from Romans 8 that he works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose so bottom line God is good even, at, even when it's hard for us to see it or to understand it end of segue end of tangent because God is good Back to Ephesians 5, 1. Because God is good, we're to be imitators of God. And did you notice that the command to imi- imitate God in verse 1 didn't stop at the command? Paul includes a qualifier. What is it there? Look, look back at verse 1. Is it on the screen behind me? Good. Look back at verse 1. What's the qualifier? Be imitators of God as beloved children. What Paul's saying here is like father, like son. Like father, like daughter. Because we're his beloved children, we want to imitate him. Because he's good, we want to be good. We want to walk in goodness. I think some of y'all know that Terry and I are grandparents to three beautiful and perfect grandchildren. (laughs) As a grandchild or a grandfather, you can say that, because I can give them back when they're not. (laughs) One of the greatest joys of being a grandparent is watching our children be amazing parents. Our oldest grandchild, Josiah, wants to do everything that his parents do. So we got Josiah little tyke's wheelbarrow so he can help out with the yard work. He has a kitchen helper's stand so that he can help out in the kitchen. And he has a toy vacuum to help keep the house clean. Josiah wants to do all those things, not because they're fun. Like, he's going to learn that they're not fun. He wants to do all those things because that's what his parents do. See, as children of God, we want to be like our father. We want to be imitators of God. He is a God of abundant goodness. And so we want to walk in that same goodness. And and one more thing about God's goodness. God's goodness is the source of our goodness. His goodness is the source of our goodness. Apart from God, our sinful hearts have no power to produce true goodness. Think of it like the light of the moon. I'm going to get in trouble here possibly because I don't know astronomy that well. But I think what I'm about to say is true. The moon has no capacity to produce light in and of itself. Good, I'm seeing some nods. All right, I'm on right track. So when you go out on a night where there's a full moon, where's that light coming from? The sun. The sun. Joe knows his stuff, man. Just saying. He's saying. The light of the moon is a borrowed, reflected light, isn't it? God's, as God's people, we reflect his goodness to the world. And so we receive his goodness and then we reflect it outward to everyone around us. That's what I mean when I say God's goodness is the source of our goodness. We receive that goodness of God, and then we reflect it out. And so are you receiving and are you reflecting the goodness of God? As a beloved child of God, are you imitating your father? Do you live and do you speak, and we're going to talk more about this in just a second, but do you live and do you speak in such a way that others see the goodness of God in you and through you? That's our God of goodness. Our guide for goodness. Look again at verses uh, toward the uh, end of verse 8 and through verse 10. Our text tells us, walk as children of the light. Another way to say this is walk in what is good. So walk as children of the light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. And and here's the good news, y'all. God has not left us in the dark as to what is pleasing to Him. He's communicated it clearly, fully, and authoritatively in His Word. And, And so this, this Bible is our source for what is good and right and true, to use the language of Ephesians 5. This, this Bible is how we know how to please the Lord. So, again, listen to some other verses that that talk about this, and they'll be on the screen behind me. Psalm 119 How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Do y'all see the connection? to the word of God and how we live. I have stored up the word of God in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And then there's a few verses from 2 Timothy 3. All scripture is God is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work." So God's word is our guide for goodness. And, And I know I've drawn this parallel with you guys before, but it's worth repeating here. Think about the owner's manual in your car. It tells you when you need an oil change, how much air to put in your tires, when your timing belt needs replacing, it tells you how every dial on your dashboard works. It tells you how to understand and care for your car for its ultimate functioning. And why do you trust that manual? Because it's from the one who made your car. It's from the one who knows every detail about that vehicle. Y'all listen, God made you. God knows every detail. God knows everything about you. He knows you by name and He knows the number of hairs that are on your head. He made you and He's given you a manual for your ultimate functioning and flourishing. Will you trust it? Will you trust this book, the Bible? Will you trust it above yourself and popular notions of our culture? Those are going to come and go. Those are going to change like shifting sand. The Word of God never changes. It's true, and it's always going to be true. It was here thousands of years before us, and if the Lord doesn't come back, it'll be here thousands of years after us. And it never changes. It is always good and right and true. Will you trust it? Second question, will you know it? Like, will you bother to take the time to put your nose in it so that you can know it? And and I think part of that is we've got to repent of our laziness, our apathy, our busyness to make time and space to give yourself to knowing this book. So will you know it? And then last question, will you follow it? Will you turn from your sin and will you give yourself wholeheartedly and unreservedly to the commands of God in this book? It's there. Everything in it is there for your good and your flourishing. This is our guide for goodness. So we've talked about our God of goodness, talked about our guide. For goodness, and we're going to look lastly at our goodness in action. Look back at verses 8 and 11. For at one time you were darkness, that's what you were, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of the light. Skip down now. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. As followers of Jesus, we're called to leave the darkness of our sin and to walk as children of the light. And our text gives us two ways to do that. First, goodness with our bodies. To live out goodness with our bodies in our actions. Verse 3 names a few of these ways. That sexual immorality, all impurity, and covetousness, which is... Somebody define covetousness. Go ahead, Ethan. My man. before you actually like, take it, it's, you, you actually you have a strong desire and i for afraid that you want it more than you want anything else. Okay, good. So l- l- let me kind of put that in a, a summary. Lusting after what others have. Or, or at the very least, lusting after what I don't have. And, and Paul says that sexual morality, impurity, and covetousness shouldn't even be named among us with our bodies we're to live lives that are holy and pure and content what we do with our bodies matters our character our actions should reflect reflect the character and the actions of God and all of this not because it earns us favor with God but because we already have the favor of God Did y'all get that? We don't do those things to earn the favor of God. We do them because we already have the favor of God. In Christ, God has been so good to us that we want to live out this goodness with our bodies and in our actions. The second way we're, we're called to live as children of the light is goodness with our words goodness with our words so look again at verse four let there be no filthiness nor foolish talk nor crude joking which are out of place but instead let there be thanksgiving not only do our bodies matter but our words matter we're called to speak in a way that is uplifting encouraging and holy the things that we say should give grace and blessing to all who hear them And he even includes this here in Ephesians 5. Our talk should be full of thanksgiving. And I think he includes that because gratitude is a great antibiotic for all the unhealthy ways we use our words. In other words, if you want to short-circuit all the ways we misuse our words, start to practice the practice of gratitude, of thanksgiving. And I think you'll find that all the negative talk, the tearing others down, the complaining, the whining will start to disappear because gratitude and those things can't coexist. So part of our living out our goodness with our words should be with thanksgiving. Two more things I wanna say about our goodness in action. First, goodness goes beyond just the absence of evil say that again our goodness should go beyond just the absence of evil though though it's, it should certainly start there it goes beyond to the active doing of good so goodness is not just not harming your neighbor y'all track in with me it's not just not harming your neighbor it's loving your neighbor in real and tangible ways. Ways like generosity, hospitality, friendship, prayer, listening to, sacrificing for, and caring for needs of others. Are you living with an active goodness? Secondly, goodness goes beyond what you do in public. Goodness goes beyond what you do in public. You see, goodness starts with who you are in private. Goodness that isn't rooted in private goodness is hypocrisy. Goodness starts with goodness of thought, word, and deed, even when others aren't looking. Goodness goes beyond just goodness in public. I want to finish with this. Our text includes a sobering warning of judgment that those who do not turn from their sin will not inherit the kingdom of God and will face the wrath of God. You see it there in verses 5 and 6. This isn't referring to those who struggle with sin in those areas. Like, I think all of us could say we struggle with impurity or some form of sexual immorality or covetousness or how we use our words and our mouths. This is talking about those with a lifestyle of sin in these areas, with a continuing in that sin and a refusal to turn back to God. And this text is really clear for those there will be judgment and there will be the wrath of God. But God has provided another way. If you look back at verse two, these words show up there in in that verse. Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God listen to that again. Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So here's the good news. God sent his son to bear the weight and the judgment of our sin so that we could be forgiven. In his glorious and gracious goodness, he provided Jesus as a pleasing sacrifice so that we who were not good could be made good. And listen, you will not be saved from the wrath of God by your own goodness, but only by the goodness of another, namely Jesus. And so will you trust in him to make you good? And then will you go out of here? Will you go from this room and live with goodness in this world, this world that so desperately needs goodness? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your infinite and abundant goodness. Thank you that in that goodness, you had mercy on sinners like us. We who were not good, you sent the one who is ultimately and completely good to suffer in the place of sinners on a cross so that we we might be made righteous, so that we might be made good. So, Father, we pray that you would, more and more, by the the work of your Spirit, make us good like you are good. And would we reflect, would we take that goodness into this world that needs that so much? And, Father, our hearts ache for our brothers and sisters in Nashville who are grieving the loss of their loved ones. Father, we pray that you would bring goodness into this wickedness and evil. Would you shine your face, would you shine your goodness in that place? And Lord, bring healing and bring wholeness. And God, would you send us out tonight to be agents of good in this world? And would others come to know you because of it? And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.